Welcome back to another episode of Fight in Progress, a podcast conversation about our men and women in law enforcement and the challenges they face. With lead stress coach and founder of Under the Shield Foundation, Susan Simmons, and Arizona police officer, Ace Walker. Thank you to Universal MMA and Fitness for sponsoring today's episode. You can find their info in the description below. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 19 of Fight in Progress podcast. Last time we were confused, but this time we got it right. And uh, I think one particular person got it right. I think that uh, was me. Susan, do you remember who got it right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Ace, yeah. This is Susan Simmons. I'm never wrong, but Ace was right one time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think he's the one who actually told me the number to say last time. Well, I was wrong last time. And you were wrong. I was wrong last time. And you made me wrong, but that doesn't count. Chris, that doesn't count. Which implies that you were wrong this time. But Ace was right this time. No, I was just making you. Oh, a witness. Oh, and that witness that you hear today is Chris. We've had Chris before. He is a COVID survivor so far. (laughs) Currently. This thing has kicked your ass, man. It has. Jeez, oh, but you kind of had an extra little heart, little minor heart issue in there. It was yeah, right you know. in the middle of it. <laughs> got me a four-day hospital stay. But yeah, he was just up there flirting with the nurses. You looking for dates? What he was doing? I didn't see anybody. Door the was nurses? closed. The Barely. Nurses? Like three times a shift. Three times a twenty-four hours. You're kidding. Oh wow. Jeez. Well, you told me about one that was cute, but you said she was married, so you knew enough. You saw her enough to know. She was cute. That's what you told me. It doesn't take us a lot to say somebody's cute. Oh, that's the doggone truth. <laughs> no lie. I saw her walking away, and I liked the way her hair flipped. So she's cute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Y'all, y'all. This is a sick bunch today is all I can say. But anyway, this just proves why I'm here. It keeps me in business. Very true. Yep. So, so what are we going over today? Oh, I don't know. What do you want to talk about, Ace? I don't have anything to talk about. I'm not allowed to talk You're about anything. You're not allowed to talk about anything. I'm not allowed to. You can just agree or disagree or yeah. whatever. So Chris and I'll have this conversation. <laughs> no, I think we're going to talk about anxiety. Okay. In law enforcement. And boy, is this a major issue, even bigger than what I thought it was. Because in the last two weeks, I can't even, I'd have to go back through and look. But every single person I've seen or talked to whether they've called on the crisis line or come in the office, anxiety has been an issue. And the other big thing are nightmares. Hmm. Have you ever had nightmares with, with all your anxiety? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed since your anxieties come down, your nightmares are less? I would say yes. We're going to have a real theory to write here on all of this because it's interesting because I went back and did some research because um, we're going to talk about the driving aspect of it. But what's interesting in the research, when you look up anxiety and driving, it's all about anxiety from driving, where driving creates the anxiety. And like I have it when I ride with people, because I'm so used to doing all of my own driving, that it's hard for me to ride with somebody now. I just have to play on my phone or do something else. But this is the opposite of what we're talking about. In your last two weeks that you're talking about, is it related to the holidays? Um, You know, I don't think it was probably aggravating it, but I think these are people that have had anxiety, but weren't really talking about it. Um, The nightmares have all come about. I've been hearing, but they've been having nightmares. Nightmares wasn't anything new. Um, And, but some of them were new to me. So it was the first time. So um, that's something I'm starting to do some work on there. And, um, yeah, one of them just texted, as a matter of fact. So 
Um, anyway, let's talk about your situation when you were going through that. How many years ago now? Five. Five. But were you having anxiety before all of that, or did the anxiety start after? I've always been a nervous person, even mm-hmm. back when I was a, a kid. So, Why does that not surprise me? I uh, <laughs> dealt with a little bit of that to start with. And um, to catch everybody up. Like, a, a, I don't know if everybody heard the first one. Yeah, when, what, pot, what episode? Come on, smarty pants who has all the answers. Was, oh, this is just 11. turned against me. Oh, look at look at the man who knows. He's only listened to it like a hundred times. That's my partner right uh-huh. there. Okay, so episode 11. You right. Can, we talked about Chris's story and what, what happened with him. And I, I could paraphrase, but you could do it better. Do you want to give him a quick background? So basically going through personal stuff um, led to a suicide Suicidal ideation. Yes. Um, eight days in a mental facility. Come out after that, and right, just kind of Multiple. figure out my life after yes. that. Yeah, a bunch of different mental health professionals and a mess that was it made. It was an absolute mess. Yeah. yeah, which aggravated the situation. Right. So we further. talked. We talked about that for an hour, a little more than an hour on that episode. That was a great episode. If you guys haven't listened to it, listen to episode eleven. Catch up yes. on that. Yes. But maybe go back and listen to that now, and then come back and listen to this one. <laughs> That might be better. So some of the hard part and what people, and I don't know if you've dealt with it, but what what people say is you can go to work in a patrol setting, mm-hmm. we'll say, mm-hmm. and you don't have a clue what's going to happen to you in those 10 hours. Okay. Right. So how can being at work for 10 hours reduce the anxiety, but yet when you're home alone, or away from work, or whatever, that's when the anxiety spikes. So and I, so I agree with that statement. But that actually makes sense to me, knowing the population the way I do. Right. And, I, and so I've, I've actually thought about this. I talked with my wife about this, how it's, it's almost like, kind of like you said, like it's, it, there's this unknown about being at work and being on patrol, because you don't know what call you're going to go to, or if they're going to end up shooting at you, or what's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to stumble on, you know, dead kid or something. But at the same time, it's not like, that you ever have any of those things. No, anyway. never, because I'm I'm not a cop that doesn't work anywhere. Right. And but it's almost like we're prepared for that. Like I feel prepared for that unknown. So there's a sense of control there, and I think when we've touched on the control before, with like what you were talking about driving, like when people when they're frustrated or they're lacking uh, control of a situation, they'll get up and they'll go and they'll drive. I think Chris, you used to do that, or still, yeah, maybe that's still, what, do. still do. Yeah, and that's one <laughs> thing we're going to talk about. But it's like. I've already said, y'all are ADD or ADHD, you're adrenaline junkies, and you're caregivers. What better setting than one where you don't know what's about to happen? It's it's that um, that control change. Right. Y'all love change as long as you're in control of it. Well, you're in control of every call that comes in because it most times, you, you know, sometimes you roll up on things, but most times you're responding to a specific call. Right. You're getting yourself prepared for whatever that call is. You know, it's like uh, I would love to talk to the six officers in Nashville. And Jeez. we got to give them a shout out now because God bless them. What a what a bunch of heroes. Yeah. And they're going to a shots fired call and wind up at a place with a van recording saying basically get the hell out of here. We're, it's fixing to blow up. They have to completely shift gears because they went in thinking – Shots fired, and I don't know how common that is in that downtown area of Nashville. I'm not, I doubt that's a very common thing. But, you know, that's what y'all like about this job. That's what draws you to this job. You you would go nuts sitting behind a desk doing nine to five 
pushing the same papers across a desk. Truth. Or working on an assembly line. So to me, it makes sense. It probably doesn't to other people that don't know the law enforcement community and, and your personalities. But idle time is not good for any of you. Right. That's funny because I know patrol officers when the calls aren't coming in mm-hmm. that do, we say driving in circles, really we're driving in squares or rectangles, <laughs> or, but nonstop for mm-hmm. hours on end of patrolling, mm-hmm. but patrolling in, you know, this monotonous. Yeah. Same thing. Yep. Over yeah. and over. But and- but you're in control of that. It, you know, you go <clears throat> north to east to south, to west, and then mm-hmm. guess what? I can do it the other way, <laughs> or I can cut across. Yeah, and this is something that I've discovered, actually, it was this week I kind of had this mind-opening experience where I was talking to um, a couple of officers about some previous podcasts we had done, and they had uh, some points they wanted to discuss when we were talking about it. And I had mentioned before how, um, and I think you mentioned it too, we had like a little back and forth about how this isn't just a job, right? right. This, is, this is a career, this it's is a, a life calling. choice. It's, it's a calling. calling. Right. There's a bunch of words for what we choose to be, right? It's sure. it's like who I am, right? And the, the argument, wasn't really an argument, but the debate was, is that not every officer feels that way. And I said, okay, so fair enough, because I can't, I can't speak for every officer, right? No. And I know certainly that there are some, although I would argue that it's probably a minority, you know, that don't feel that way. Sure. But... I think that there are... And they wind up in admin. <laughs> I couldn't say. I wouldn't know. Well, I do. Um, <laughs> but I think that like we all kind of deal with that a little different. And I think some people, like the ones that just drive around in that monotone way, uh, that's that's their little area of control because mm-hmm. maybe they don't like the randomness of the calls or the or whatever. You know, I, I definitely know... Um, I know of a guy who told me about some officers that are like that. <laughs> that's the way that works hypothetically speaking it's gonna get precarious yes it is but but talk about how it affects you the anxiety the anxiety um probably the biggest thing that i could do uh, my heart rate goes up a little bit Mm -hmm. and it just feels like i can't sit still so it's the i'm a pacer also g-shock so you know when i'm not (laughs) i'm waiting for you to get up walk try to walk around with these headphones In these last, I got diagnosed or my first symptom of COVID was December 3rd. So I have put on many miles on my car and I've (laughs) put on many miles on my legs walking Mm -hmm. when I could physically feel fine to do it. So it's that uneasy feeling inside of the heart rate up and can't sit still to where I've just got to get up and do something. Have you ever had a full-blown panic attack Mm. where the... With a lot of people, the walls feel like they're closing in. Your palms get sweaty. The heart rate you have, um, the pacing you have, which can be a full-blown panic. But have, have yeah, you had... I would, I would probably say I've had, during those years, I've had a few within there. Um, can't tell you what, what really calms it down. I know it, my driving and pacing, it mm-hmm. quiets it a little bit. And the supplements that we have you Correct. on have helped a whole lot yes they have. they've helped a lot of people um and so if you're this is something you're struggling with is anxiety you know medication's not your only option i'm not a big fan of medication except as a last resort but there are some really good supplements mm-hmm. that people can use for depression and or anxiety and um chris is a actually you were our guinea pig on that the one that we recommended 
you're using. Right. Um, and it's helped quite a few people. And, you know, she used to always say it when I, you know, would text her or call her. She Once she figured out that I was a driver, she would want to know where I was at. Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense in the beginning. This is the pre-hospital stay. She would say, pull over. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then she wanted me to get out of the car mm-hmm. and wanted, wanted me to walk. And explain a little bit of that of what's going on in the body with the adrenaline and the... Well, adrenaline is nothing... I mean, anxiety is nothing more than an overload of adrenaline. And it's coming from, most times, thoughts that activate fear that I had a client in here today, and that's what he said, that, you know, he starts to have a little bit of anxiety that creates fear. And I said, actually, you have the thought that creates the fear that creates the anxiety. And I said, you're dumping adrenaline in your body, and the more anxious you become about the anxiety the more adrenaline you get. So I wanted him to walk it off because it's the best thing you can do is activate using fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So at least move around. Don't just sit in a car. Yeah. And this is why this theory that we are going to come up with, because apparently nobody else has come up with it. So we are copywriting it now. It's ours. It's Ooh. yes. Um, Theoretical is, psychology. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Is the fact that yes, walking, running, running sprints, not long distances, um, punching and kicking a bag can help alleviate, get the adrenaline down, activate fight or flight. But for law enforcement, the interesting twist now is driving does it. And I think it's because, first of all, that's your comfort zone. Where do you spend most of your time? That's my office. In your office, in your car. And you're in control. And you're activating all of your senses. It isn't like you can put it on autopilot and go to sleep you whether you feel like you're paying attention or not you are and then you're turning on something whether you're listening do you listen to podcast what do you listen to uh, usually it's some type of talk radio either okay. christian or because sports. jason Schechterly told us he turned on music and turned it up really loud yeah. jordan peterson on 30 <laughs> <laughs> and then chris and i were at church we go to the same church Tell them about that conversation we had. With uh, the With, motorcycle? Yes. And we had another guy that we were, right after this came out, and so we had asked him, former police officer, mm-hmm. retired, and he gets on his Harley and rides. Yeah, it's loud. And so it's not only the, probably the vibration, the yeah. really needing to be in control. A- and having to pay yeah. it close attention, because now you got to watch every crazy out there in a whatever ton Car, truck, 18-wheeler, whatever. It sounds like a good argument for me to get a motorcycle. Oh, jeez, no. I'll tell my wife you said so. No, and I hope my son doesn't <laughs> listen to this because it'll justify his Ducati even more than he already justifies oh, it. Oh, dude, bring it over. Oh, yeah. He took him a month to tell me he got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know the hard part, especially when, say this last month when I haven't been feeling well. Mm-hmm. So you add the not feeling well on top of it. And I have, I'm on day 25 now. I have Jeez. not been sick 25 days in my life ever. <laughs> Probably total. Let alone right. in a row. You know, so not feeling well in the beginning and going through the roller coaster of symptoms. And that's the crazy thing about COVID is the three of us in the room can have it and we're going to have three different sets of symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the beginning, the fever and the chills and body aches and stuff like that. Well, then once you feel halfway okay again, 
well, then here comes a new set of symptoms and then oh, the heart stuff started in between. So I spent probably the first 12 days not leaving my house at all. I live alone. Gosh, was it that many days? That sounds like torture. So the, well, the, you went to the hospital once during that time. On day 12. is. Oh, that was your first ER? That was my first ER visit was on day 12. Oh, I thought you went early on. And then I went back on day 14 okay. when I went into the AFib. But Jeez. it during those 12 days... You know, you could, you could do stuff like, you know, I'm a, I'm a cleaner. I'm a, you know, so needlessly my house was clean. <laughs> um, I didn't have the energy to do any of the work in the backyard, anything mm-hmm. like that. But I was talking he to tried. my, I, I was talking to my daughter who's 19 and she was diagnosed with COVID asymptomatic, mm-hmm. but yet she couldn't go anywhere because of her positive test. Mm-hmm. Right. And so come to find out she drove with her boyfriend. They both really? had it. So oh, just... Okay. Literally to get out, I'll take my dog with me, put her in the front seat and drive 20 miles. And (laughs) when I started feeling better Mm -hmm. or on that roller coaster, then get in the car just to get out of the darn house Mm -hmm. because the anxiety was through the roof. The, I just want to feel well again, you know, that kind of thing. And well, and you had fear of living alone and having this heart condition on top of it. Right. And then you add on top of it, you can't breathe. Because yeah. of the, you know, the So is that my COVID heart stuff. creating this issue? Or is that COVID? Or? Right. So probably on day, I had a conversation with the doctor on day 14. And I told him about three hours before they admitted me to the hospital. It feels like my jugular vein is beating out of my neck. Oh, geez. And they come to find out it was because of some of the medications and mm-hmm. the COVID on top of it. And that's oh, what kind of led to the, the AFib. But talk about anxiety. And no kidding. Not feeling well enough to... To do some of the exercise things right. that you couldn't you're talking run, about. you couldn't punch and, and kick a bag, and you couldn't go to the gym and lift and throw stuff. It, still today, it's it's tiring, Jeez. you know. But it, it, it's really weird if you, th- you know, we've talked about it quite a bit. But you're getting in this three, four thousand pound car, and you're going down the road. Most of us like the vehicles that we drive. She mm-hmm. drove an Audi. Oh, that was so nice. <laughs> yeah, I rented an Audi out in Alabama. And oh. Yeah, I think I need one of those. Oh, dear God. And so I the, don't want it. I think I need it. Yeah, I'm sure. So mm-hmm. the last thing any of us in this room want to do is wreck a car. Right. Hurt ourselves, hurt right. somebody else, have to go through the... So you're on that heightened awareness to, I got to pay attention to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then you add in some of the the sounds of the driving, mm-hmm. the, the smells from the air conditioner, the heater, the the radio, whatever that it might be. The feel of the wheel, even, and the road. Yeah, my Jeep, yeah. Yeah, Anything past 35, (laughs) start vibrating. And so as you're doing this, it's it's like a sense of control. It is. You've now, here's where you were before you stepped in the car of being a little bit out of control, Mm -hmm. if we can say. Sure. And now you're putting yourself in a position to where you can be in control. Makes sense. I mean, is is there like a... In psychology or in treatment or anything, is there some type of like sensory therapy where they do that, where they saturate all your senses? They'll do it for things like phobias. Okay. Um, You know, and I think it's called immersion therapy or something like that, where they'll put you in those positions Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again to kind of desensitize you to it. Right. But as far as I could find the research, there was nothing about this for anxiety. Right. And that's, again, another place that Under the Shield has been at a real advantage because we just focus on such 
specific populations right. that are all very similar. Mm-hmm. That we can see things like for the adrenaline, then when you've had it, whether you've if you hadn't been able to use it, to make sure then you activate the fight or flight when you get off shift, run sprints, punch and kick a bag, fight act actually use that adrenaline. Yeah. Or it's gonna impact your sleep patterns. Nobody else works in the population quite as closely to even put all that together. And we didn't even put this really together too much as a positive until we were on the Badge Boys. Badge Boys. Yeah. And Jason Schechterly chimed in and goes, when Chris was talking about I his driving, there. and Jason chimes in and goes, man, I do the same thing. I still do it. I get out right around the city. Mm-hmm. And I thought, we're on to something here. Yep. So I've been asking clients now, and they do. And they don't even realize that that's why they're doing it. Maybe I should try it. Maybe you should. (laughs) can get expensive. This this one, yeah, he'll call me in the middle of the night from Flagstaff. And I'm like, "Uh, you turn, please. (laughs) Head back this direction. Flagstaff's so pretty, though. Because my first thoughts were, all I need is him having anxiety and panic attacks, driving down the road, not realizing it actually does the opposite for him. And... So that's that's the part here. That, and I think, I doubt cops walk around asking each other, have you had a good panic attack lately? Or right, right. had any anxiety and how did it work for you to drive? But I think it's time to start educating people about this. And it's something we'll certainly add to the training. And I couldn't agree more with the educating yourself. Like we, we've talked about supplements. We've talked about doing things like driving um, and even medications like prescription, stuff like that as a maybe a last resort or something, if that's just what you need personally. Right. For me... And from the things that I've read and studied about myself and about other people and like how we work and why we work, the knowledge, like the Mm self-knowledge was by far the most helpful thing to me because I can understand what I'm going through. Well, information is power. Grossman says it. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny because when I first started under the shield, it used to hurt my feelings when officers would call me and have a really bad night or a panic or something and they'd call and we'd talk and then I wouldn't hear from them again. And I'm like, well, dang, I guess that didn't work out too well. And I remember running into one one time, and I said, how come I never heard from you again? He goes, Susan, he said, just knowing I have your number, and I can call you at 2 in the morning, is all I've needed. And I thought, well, either he's the best liar in the world, (laughs) but I actually had somebody else tell me that in Texas one time. He said, your number's sitting right here on my desk. Well, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's just just the the knowledge that we have a tool to take care of a situation relieves a little bit of that anxiety. Just sure. use the same word we've been using. So, I mean, if you there was a, there's a scenario right where you know you're unarmed, you have nothing to defend yourself with, just you know left and right hands, right? And then you see two people, uh, one person getting assaulted, right? Do you do you jump in? It's an officer question. Mm-hmm. And so the first answer is of course like yeah, of course I jump in and help. And then sure. it's like well I don't have any tools though, like. If you start to play it out at all, it's like, oh, this kind of becomes precarious. Like, mm-hmm. I might be able to beat him in a fist fight. Right. But then what? What if the other guy, turn, you know, it goes. Yeah, you wind with two on one. <laughs> right. But it, you you throw a vest and my belt on me. It's like, I've done that a hundred thousand times. Mm-hmm. I'd do it again. Sure. Like, yeah, no problem. So when we know we have tools for a problem, and especially when we recognize the problem for what it is. Yes. And all of this is knowledge. Then we, that, that anxiety level goes down. The circumstance hasn't changed. Right. Just how we perceive it has changed it doesn't it's not as threatening because it's not an unknown right and we know that as big and as bad as a problem can be we have tools to be able to handle it sure so it's like bring it on sure yeah well and a you know a client has more than once said that 
they thought they were the only ones experiencing this. And then when they start hearing, lots of law enforcement officers have this problem. Mm -hmm. Lots. And, you know, we, I mean, we deal with a lot of them from all over the country and Canada. And and we're excited to announce on this show we have somebody from Belgium listening. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, somebody from from Germany. I, I think it was Belgium. But it was definitely Germany. I need to look it up now. But we had one listener yeah. from another country. So, you <laughs> and know. it was in Germany somewhere. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Thanks if the southern accent's hard for you to understand, we'll send you a book to translate. Yeah. <laughs> um, just send us your address. Uh, but And we hope you'll encourage others. But it, it's no different no. in foreign countries. I've taught in, in Europe. I've taught in Canada. It's no different anywhere well, people else. People are people. Absolutely. Yeah. And the job is. So, question for you then. If when we're going through this anxiety and we're not, you know, some of us work out, pace, drive, whatever, how does it help or hurt by consuming alcohol? Well, alcohol is is going, first of all, it's easy to become addicted to it and use it to self-medicate when in reality it's going to have the opposite because in the long term it's a depressant that we're dumping in. And with anxiety, I don't think you can say you don't have depression with anxiety because you do. Um, It might look a little different than somebody who just has depression and no anxiety. But now you're dumping a depressant on top of it, and it's something that you'll start to use and justify it by, oh, well, this calms me down. There are other things you can do that are healthier for you that, again, you start drinking, then you can't drive. Not if you're smart. And then you knock that tool out. Mm And now it actually the anxiety could come back just because you've been drinking doesn't mean your thoughts won't activate that fear again. Yeah. And now you can't even get in a car and drive. Yeah. But you know, that'd be something to look at though. The guys that get DUIs in this industry. I I bet that's connected. That it only makes sense because otherwise why? Exactly. Unless they think they're untouchable, which is, that's just foolish. You can't fix that. Right. (laughs) But it would be interesting to see how many with DUI were out driving after drinking because of anxiety. Yeah. And so from, from my perspective, so, and I don't, I don't know your background as far as with alcohol. I'm, I was like never a drinker. I, I I joined the He's a sissy. (laughs) He drank birthday cake vodka. Who even knew it existed? I remember the story. Jeez. I mean. Could have grabbed a good bottle of tequila or something. You could say sissy or you could say brave. I don't know anybody who's had an entire bottle of birthday cake vodka um, and didn't end up with their stomach in their lap. Um, But I, so I only drank a couple of times when I was a teenager, um, you know, screwing around at a cousin's birthday party or whatever. And then by the time I was 19, so before I could legally even drink, I joined the LDS church where we don't drink. So it's never been a thing that I've been really interested in in the first place. But looking at it from that perspective, as one who I don't, I don't care to defend it at all because it's not something I do. Oh, very, oh, I, well, I'm very, obviously the expert in the room again. Very, very, um, <laughs> it's nice to be the expert at something else. But yes, I was quite a drinker in college. Were you? Oh, so I, yes. I, I have a friend who is going through some of the similar stuff, right? Lots of anxiety, lots of issues, and he is self-medicating with alcohol, self-admittedly self-medicating mm-hmm. with alcohol. And so in the discussion, I was like, well, I mean 
patently, like on its face, that sounds like a bad idea. It's, you know, it doesn't have like a, a prescription dosage or like, <laughs> right. you know, it, it, there's not really like limits on it. So right. it's, it's, and there's, there, there's huge numbers of side effects that are negative, sure. right? like psychological, physical, otherwise, like it starts to impact your life yes. negatively, right? Because and it gets real expensive. What one shot will do today takes two shots next week or whatever. Sure. It, I know that ratio is not right, but it, it doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't seem um, a wise choice to choose alcohol, right? I don't know if it's, it, it, is it just, what are the benefits compared to a medication? It's cheaper? I mean, I guess it can no, be. No, it's easier access. And again, it, you know, some people, it it brings their personalities out, some in a positive way, actually. Um, others, it brings it out in a real negative way. Is um, it just taking the top off it, of the it, anxiety? It does. Is what it, it, they think it does. Well, because it's 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 a depressant, but that also I think it falls in the same line as like a sedative, right? Like it, it, it relaxes yes. you, and it, we know it lowers inhibition, right? So it which do you see blue itself, lights in your rearview mirror, yeah, right? But the the inhibition, if you think about like how you act throughout a day, if I'm gonna be more relaxed and be more open with alcohol, right? It brings out my personality. Well, then why are why is my personality not out during the day then? Right. If I'm if I don't tell you know, you know that goes back to self esteem, uh, right? So there's there's something else there already that it's not solving. It, I I don't see it as solving anything. No, it like, doesn't. You talk to anybody, however you feel about medication, whatever. It, some people are more for MD than other people. Sure, right? Some people are way more holistic. My wife would be on the far holistic side, mm-hmm. right? I'm more in the middle, and a lot of people I've talked to, uh, who are all for medicine. Mm-hmm. They would argue, yeah, that's you know, medicine's great, but you want to make sure, like when we talk about it, I was like, well, you want to make sure that you're actually treating the symptom, right? Right. And or treating the the problem, not just the symptom. You don't want to just be solving the symptom and then like, oh, you're fine. Sure. That's all alcohol does. Well, but anybody on medication for anxiety, when you dump um, the depressant of alcohol on top of it, mm-hmm. because most of the anti-anxiety medications are actually not all. But most that we have ever recommended, and which is very rarely, are in an SSRI, Selected Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor, which is an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And so now you're dumping a depressant on top of an antidepressant. Speedball. <laughs> well, and I've actually had officers call me and go, hey, Susan, how much more of that Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, Effects, or Selexa, Lexapro, or whatever that SSRI is I'm taking, <laughs> how much more do I, of that do I need to take to counterbalance the depressant I'm fixing to go drink with the boys. And I'm yeah. like, uh, wrong answer. Just you're wasting a pill. Don't even take one. Right. But, but the night you were drinking, had anxiety started? Were you really having a lot of anxiety that night that yes. you wound up in the parking lot? And so I had dropped off my daughter at her mom's house mm-hmm. and then the driving started. And so driving, driving, driving. And then one of the stops was at the Walgreens to buy the, to buy the alcohol. And you got to remember too, in that time frame, that was like within two days of my ex-wife emptying our house out. Right. To where, right. You know, Nobody was typical there. Typical guy, take everything you want. You <laughs> yeah, know? Right. Uh, well, not always, not everybody. So <laughs> now it's uh, sitting in this big empty house all by myself. Oh, and, geez. you know, yep. then the mind game started and, you know, everything from there. But do you remember while you were drinking how that was impacting your anxiety. Yeah, how much of that do you remember? (laughs) Couldn't find his gun that was sitting in his lap. I remember driving to the parking lot, and I remember getting on the phone to my ex-wife. I did not know this. She's the one that came up with that 
that a number to uh, my best friend at work was provided by me to my ex who contacted him. I was wondering. And then he got on the phone with me. Right. I, I didn't remember any of that. Okay. Right. So, and I'm, I'm talking. And I feel really left out. It's all I'm going to say, given I live right up the road. Rarely. I think you'd call the wrong Susan. Rarely. <laughs> you know, do I drink? Right. So once all that started in, then it, you know, yeah. it took over very quick. Right. And what, what's funny is, and I'm sitting here thinking about this because we've had hundreds of comments about this topic and doing related alcohol. Clearly, everybody that calls into Under the Shield, whether they're calling your number or they're calling the hotline, we can't guarantee that they're not going to be intoxicated. Right. right. She's got a steadfast rule generally to where she won't deal with Mm-hmm. You know, in a th- probably a therapy setting, you might get them out of their current crisis. Right. But it, yeah, why, I, if you're drinking, if you're because it's a complete waste of everybody's time because they're going to argue with you. And, and again, I can tell when somebody's had a little bit to drink. But like the other night, I had somebody who was so drunk that everything I said, he was going to argue with me. Yeah. Well, and then they forget what you said because we we deal yes. with this, right? <laughs> you you try to tell a drunk that they got to leave and they want to argue, and then they ask you ten minutes later, "Why am I talking to you?" Right? Because you won't leave. Exactly. <laughs> and it and it frustrates me, and it frustrates them, and it's not productive. So what I have so far been able to do is make sure someone else is with them, mm-hmm. and I get them on the phone and I tell them, "Make sure you." with this person all night and you call me in the morning because usually these calls come in at night typically right and it's like i said it's just frustrating because i can give them information but they're not going to write it down they're not going to remember it and again it's taking up time that somebody else who's sober could be calling in Mm -hmm. but we don't you know we never just hang up on them on the crisis lines a lot of times you know you just wait i've had them pass out on the phone before and i best case scenario wait yeah wait a little while and then hang up the phone um we hadn't had a whole lot of that lately we there was a few years back we were getting tons of drunks calling hmm. and now i don't know that alcohol is as big I, I know it's not as big an issue as it was when i started yeah everything ebbs and flows it's- well now it's more prescription drugs and or sex and porn and at least with the sex and porn addiction it doesn't impact me talking to them Right. You know, and they remember what I tell them and we talk about things that they can do and try. And, and now we have the treatment center down in Florida that we are huge proponents of, obviously, mm-hmm. that has a first responder specific. And I know a lot of people have been told they were going to a first responder treatment center and got there and they were the only first responder there. No. Um, this is a true first responder treatment center. And the program always has gosh 20 or more rotating through there around and how the many clock. Have you sent now recommended i've sent gosh close to 25 26 now and um with good results absolutely yeah. absolutely that's um, awesome yeah one one we didn't and bless his heart he wound up dying march 24th overdosed yeah but he went three times he tried but we could never seem to quite get to the demons he wouldn't open up. So it was a very sad situation. But um, great program. And, you know, again, that's where we send everybody. But I just want people to understand anxiety 
is a normal reaction. I, I have anxiety. I think I've laughed and talked about it when the Internal Revenue Service sends me a letter. Mm-hmm. I get anxious. Fortunately, I have an accountant that I can send a picture of it to or call, and mm-hmm. she handles it because that is one organization. DEA doesn't scare me. FBI doesn't. ATF, U.S. Marshals, you can all show up here with search warrants, kick my door in, won't bother <laughs> me a bit, draw guns. I'm going to say, come on in, I'll fix you a cup of coffee. IRS comes knocking. I am telling you, I could crawl the wall because <laughs> you can't fight them and you can't run from them. Right. And they have powers to find and do things nobody else can do. Yeah. Can you remember your last adrenaline dump? Uh, yes. So that's funny that you asked that because so it was self-induced. <laughs> so I, I've been yeah on purpose. So there's there's this guy that I've been listening to and studying, Wim Hof. So he's a Polish guy who's done all this. Uh, that's a new. Have one. you heard of him? Cool. Oh heck yeah. Okay. That's a new one. So this this guy incredible. So he he's spent all his life like jumping into like Arctic waters and doing crazy stuff and learning how to connect himself with his body, right? And what he discovered is, and this is why it hit me, is because I'm a huge understudy of Jordan Peterson. Like I read yeah, everything. But wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Sure. He's not the one that recently was in an ice over lake playing chess with somebody. Oh, I don't know. Old man, gray hair. I just remember thinking, who are those two idiots? And they're way out of my league. But it was two of them just recently, and they're literally playing a game of, not checkers, chess. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm even more intrigued now if that's the case. Um, But so anyway, the overarching theory of what he kind of discovered, and he discovered it through his physiology, Mm -hmm. and Jordan Peterson discovered it. I don't know if he discovered it, but he studies it and teaches it from like legends and stories of different cultures and like psychotherapy, that kind of stuff. He comes from that side. Yeah, there's a picture of Wim Hof. I'll put him out. I can make him, I'll put a little picture on the front (laughs) cover of the podcast today. (laughs) But one of the things that uh, they both talk about, and this is something that I've kind of become obsessed with, there's a breathing practice that he does. And what it does is it induces an adrenaline rush because it, you're you purposefully put yourself in a highly stressful situation which is not breathing okay i was gonna say this is like the one on that adley show yes don't you remember her doing it oh, yeah. laying on the couch and somebody was having her breathe and so, then then yeah. hold your breath yeah yes. you, you leave it out and you hold it for 90 seconds no which, ain't happening right so that's what your brain says yeah no I'm just but then when you do it well you think you're gonna die and you, yeah. you really do at the, during the time. And, but that's and why, why would I want to do this? So, okay, and this is, this is the theory, right? So this is why. So what they've both discovered and what the theory is, it's so funny that you asked it because I was thinking this before you asked me the question, <laughs> is that we increase our ability to face things in our lives by purposefully placing ourselves in stressful situations and things that we fear purposefully, right? Because okay. so I was just studying this on the way over. I was listening to it. So if somebody, a phobia usually develops by somebody being exposed to something involuntarily right right? first time that a kid sees a snake right Right. now they're scared for the rest of their life or you run like like me i ran through a spider web at a chili's and i had a spider on my arm the size of what i think is my face (laughs) right so now i hate spiders and then when you when you talk to psychotherapists in general at least the ones i've studied in general the way to get somebody in most cases to overcome this fear is to have them voluntarily that's the key voluntarily face that fear right it's immersion therapy right and face that stress so by putting yourself in a highly stressful situation on purpose right that you chose to take on that endeavor Mm -hmm. it gives you this understanding or something i don't it's weird it's it's on a different level i'm not quite to the level yet but you really do start to feel 
more calm and more in control because you've, you have, you, there's, there's less to fear. It's like, so I take, I take an ice cold shower for two minutes every morning okay. um, because I hate it. <laughs> but, I, and, but, but what, sure. Here, here, do you have a fear of ice cold showers? And this is what we're trying to overcome. Well, it's not the fear. It's the stress, right? How, how much do you hate ice cold showers? Well, they don't really bother me all that much, but okay. So, but for me, right, you get in and you're like, ooh, like you, you do the breathing and like your whole body reacts physically to the right. cold water, right? So that's okay. a high stress level. Mm-hmm. That's the theory. So this is what he kind of touched on when he just kind of discovered jumping in cold water stresses you out. And he was, he started doing it for longer and longer periods. Have you done this crazy stuff too? Over, it's crazy. Over it, two and a half minutes. What? Do you do? Not breathing? The breathing. Yeah. yeah. No you, wonder you have AFib. Good <laughs> gosh. <laughs> And then what's hilarious is right before I walked in here, my cousin's talking to me about Wim Hof. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. So I, well, and I shot out a huge text message and I'm, I'm writing up something that I'm going to post on Facebook about some of it. Cause I'm, I'm playing with it. It's only been a, a week now that I've been looking into this. How long did it take you to get two and a half minutes? Oh, that probably do it every single morning. That was probably three weeks in. Yeah. My parents can do it longer than that. Yeah. He says it takes a couple of weeks. to. Get I there. have no desire to not breathe. Right. So this, and this is the thing. So, he, so the idea is, is that we are too used to being comfortable. Yes. That because we are comfortable. I'm kind of fond of it. Everything that causes discomfort causes anxiety. So the theory is, is that if you can become comfortable being uncomfortable, you learn to control that. You can also die, and that's permanent. <laughs> right. So, okay. Well, so he's on to something. So, this is a little bit of the, which we've dealt with me before, of being out of, you know, something that is out of my norm would okay. take and send me mm-hmm. to oblivion. Right. So, what you're doing is you're putting yourself outside of your norm. Right. To make it your norm. To make it your norm. Yeah, so, that's, and that's the idea, right? So, theoretically, with like the, so the stories of like, like Beowulf, for instance, right? So there's, there's the village. Uh-huh. The village is under attack by the dragon. Mm-hmm. The dragon is a symbol of everything outside the walls of the village. Right. Beowulf has to decide to go and face the unknown, face the dragon, right? Well, because there's two, there's two results here. Screw that. The dragon's going to eat me. Sure. And I'll just sit here and die. And then, yeah. And then the dragon burns down the city anyway. Right. Or screw it i'll take my chances i'll step into the unknown and i'll face the dragon and what's always the reward at the end of fighting the dragon classically not so much anymore it's not so pc but it's usually a virgin and a bunch of gold that's, that's usually, what everybody yeah right, that's usually yeah. the reward but we've never had anybody tell us that that actually is the true stuff right, right. but i mean even um it, i can't think of his name right now but that like all the crosses on the the UK flag, the British flag, right? Those all represent saints, right? And one of the saints, is, and I'm sure the other stories are very similar, is about the this saint going to kill the dragon. And there's a there's a very famous picture of the saint slaying the dragon. He's on a horse and he has a naked woman by the arm on the horse, right? Because he's saving the virgin from the dragon. So the the idea, the the symbol there, the whole point of that is, right? So we live in this comfort zone, like we have our cave that we live in. And we know that we have to go outside the cave to get food, to get water, that there's more outside. Sure. But it's not safe, right? I can get eaten right. by a saber-toothed tiger if I go outside the cave. Right. I leave my fire behind. It's dangerous. But there's something to be gained. We are, naturally, we are drawn to the unknown regardless of the danger. When we become comfortable of the, with the known to mm-hmm. an extent where we're like, eh, we don't need the unknown anymore. I am convinced that that is when anxiety becomes, anxiety and depression become a huge problem you need to continually push the boundaries of your known into the unknown otherwise it's going the dragon is going to eat you 
You yep. have to go out there and kill it. Yeah, but y'all face so many unknowns as it is in your norm. Well, but that becomes a norm between training and experience. It makes it right. Okay. Right. Like I we said, that. that's 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 where I we buy that. right. That's where we become comfortable at work, but not comfortable at the empty house. So I got to stop breathing in order to to <laughs> occasionally. We'll do a little session after this. Oh yeah. no, we won't. Once a day. No, not and gonna happen. I think the reason I asked the question and what I want people that are listening to the podcast to understand is we either intentionally or unintentionally put ourselves into circumstances mm-hmm. that will give us anxiety. Okay. Okay. And. It's, it's, it meaning cops or people in general, cops and cops. Okay. So it doesn't have to be, it can be debilitating right. for right. that period of time. It doesn't have to be right. If that makes sense. Sure. So well, it's like Grossman says, you know, if you get shot and you know, you got shot, you need to tell yourself, apparently I'm going to live <laughs> so that you can live through it right. because most of the time you're not going to know. Right. And so you tell yourself, this is not is bad because if I make it bad, then I probably will die. Right. And that's some of the stuff Wim Hof touches on is like that, that subconscious control of your body. Like, you know how cancer, or cancer people get a diagnosis. Oh, you're going to live for two weeks. Right. And they die 14 days to the minute. Right. Right. And then there are other people who are like, screw that. And they live for 20 years. Right. And they're like, it's a miracle. It's the like, brain right. over the body. Absolutely. S- same thing he argues with placebo effect. So like, like, for instance, I'll take a Tylenol at home. I'll have a terrible headache. I will throw the Tylenol in my mouth, and my headache is already leaving. <laughs> and my wife is like, oh, you're such a placebo. <laughs> and it's like, and that used to be an insult. And then after learning about this guy, it's like, ah, I have a lot of subconscious control over my body. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just very cool. So it's like I said, that when you start gathering this knowledge, it's power, right? But it's that by itself, it's not power. You have to understand how it works and why it works. You can't just know it. But doing this two and a half minute not breathing thing, has that altered your anxiety at all? I don't know. I think it, I think what the whole point of it is, whether it be the cold water therapy or the breathing part of it, it centers you again. Yeah. I can do the cold water thing. Yeah. I'm pretty fond of breathing. I'm not, I'm not a fan, but I'm that's, also, that's kind of the point. Yeah, but I'm also somebody who didn't breathe through her nose till she was 21. You could cover my mouth and I would turn blue. Literally. What's wrong with you? I had a deviated septum. Does the block Susan top have, do you have a Susan? <laughs> no, but I, I sure as hell could use one. <laughs> um, but no, I had surgery when I was 21. And the first time I felt air in my nose and sinus cavity was the strangest feeling I've ever had. No kidding. Yeah. So I'm, I, I don't think I'm going to mess with breathing. I don't think we're going to try this. Not breathing. <laughs> What's the saying? Uh, brain controls. The brain controls the body, but how the body feels impacts what the brain thinks. When so your body's tired, yeah. your body's hungry. That's where the hangry commercials come from with Snickers and all that stuff. And so, like, you know, there are people out there that have written books about the brain controls the body, but they leave out how important the physiological impact is to the brain. Yeah. And when the it's the body sends negative messages to the brain. The brain goes more negative. Mm-hmm. That comes back to the body. And it's like that video I show in training with um, the naval aviator that was shot down, held captive six years. And he talked about, he said, you know, he said, I had the ability to curl up in a corner and atrophy and die. He said, I saw guys do it. Yeah. But he chose the other direction. Yep. And it's the same thing with the cancer patients. Cause I used to do hypnosis with cancer patients in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. 
Because hmm. the oncologist told me, they said, if they can think positively, that those positive thoughts impact their their body. Yeah. And he said, yeah, the same thing. He had somebody with melanoma one time, and all she heard was cancer. She was dead in a few weeks. And he said, there's no medical reason. Hmm. Then he said he had some other old-timer, and the old-timer looked at him and said, hell, doc, I'm going to outlive you. <laughs> and the doctor said, he's still alive 10 years later. Yeah. Medically, they're, they're shouldn't all be. touching on something that's in that subconscious that uh-huh. we don't really know how to control. And so I'll have to, Chris, I'll have to get you, I'll send you the, um, the, cause really the interview that I listened to, it was Jordan Peterson interviewing Wim Hof. Oh wow. Magic. Right. This, like I called wow. my, I called my wife and I talked to her for an hour. I was like, my life is different now. Like I'm a different man. Like you have to listen to this, but one of the cool things, so you get these two minds who have accidentally, or, you know, cause it's the purpose of their life, whatever stumbled upon these wonderful uh, observations and when you put them in the same room you realize they're two sides of the same coin of like this controlling oneself um so one thing that peterson touches on that women had never heard of or thought of maybe because he seemed very surprised was peterson talks about the physiology of the breath and how like so your breath it's automatic we've been breathing this whole time sure but i can alter that consciously sure so your breath and in many cultures the breath is life right Mm -hmm. that's your breath sits on the line of conscious and subconscious so there's something there that they were both kind of like, oh, there's something here. That's really cool. And like, it was like, holy crap, man, this is, this is cool. So I, yeah, that's why I dove in. But on the way over here, my mom sends me six, six secrets successful people use to control their mind. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess we were supposed to talk it's about all that. There, that's yeah. what we're supposed to talk that's about. Anne's virgin and the dragon, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look into that. That's, it's Jeez. such a cool concept. But seriously. I tell my friends all the time, like when they're dealing with something difficult or there's something like where they're afraid to take the jump, it's like, Hey man, like the dragon's already out there now. You mm-hmm. already know that there's something there to be conquered. Like, are you just going to sit here and let it consume you? Or are you going to step out into the darkness? I mean, yeah, the dragon can still kill you when you go to face it. It sure. absolutely can, but at least you die on your own terms for God's right. sake, pick up a sword, go fight the damn thing. Right. Like it's, you have to take control of your own destiny i guess is the word that you could use but you have to you can't just sit there and let the unknown consume you what kind of life is that well, i agree with you you know so well, i wouldn't do what i do yeah and i feel to a degree although we all probably feel like oh you know i make decisions every day and i do all these things there's, there's hundreds of things you do every day by routine that you mm-hmm. don't really necessarily decide to do but you we we get comfortable and we sit in the known go explore something like there's all there's study upon study upon study that when you experience new things neural synapses in your mind develop oh, that yeah. weren't there before oh, absolutely. so the only way to access more of your mind and your brain and your body is to go experience unknown things y'all are challenge enough for me uh, let me just <laughs> tell you are you kidding me with the population i deal with seven days a week 360 y'all challenge me every day i must have the most synaptic things in there firing as anybody's ever seen in their life that's but why you're always right except for today absolutely well now now <laughs> i just wanted you to verify but I'm gonna buy that's interesting because there is something at this treatment center and there's actually a woman here in Phoenix that actually trained the woman down in Florida and it's called trauma breathing. And I haven't had a chance to do it when I've been down there. I want to do it. But the guys say that it, they've met their spiritual animals. I'm like, well, that's interesting. That's their words? Uh-huh. Wow. That was there. A couple of them, not every one of them. Um, you need to talk to our friend that went down there yeah. about it, but, um, it invokes a lot of emotion. It brings all the stuff in the garbage can 
to the surface is kind of the way I feel like the way she's explained it. It sounds like almost like a, like a psychedelic or um, like a religious experience. Yes. Like where people have those. Yeah. yeah. Cause, and it's funny because when I first went down, my first trip down there to visit the center and there was a female there that I had sent and then there, and I was meeting with her and then there happened to be a male police officer sitting there and she started talking about how much she loved it. And I looked at the male cop and the look on his face. And I was like, Okay, so tell me about your experience. He goes, I will never do that ever again. <laughs> oh, wow. And I think he felt uncomfortable with the emotion that came up because you're all out in a, in a room and you're, I think you're laying down on something, mats or something. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something I'm really anxious to do because I can't imagine between everything 9-11, the deaths of almost my whole family in 07. I mean, there's so many things yeah. that have happened in my life. And I go, this, this might get really interesting. Yeah. But the guys, the others that I've sent down there have every one of them have really gotten something from it. Yeah. So there's apparently something to all this. And that's might be something that these two guys need to look at too, is this trauma breathing yeah. and how it all plays in together. We're going to sign off here and we're going to, yeah. Take her through a session. Oh, no, oh, I'm yeah. not. I'm not doing it. I'm telling y'all now, I'm a breathe. I'm a hyperventilate just because I'm you, not going to do this. You're kind of supposed to. That's kind first. of part of the. Well, yeah. nope. No, I'm going to keep hyperventilating. I did that running through the Las Vegas airport the other day. I'm good. I'm covered. No, that was. No. Well, if there's no episode next week, you guys all know she died. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to hear y'all explain that one. I swear we were just taking her through a breathing exercise. I didn't touch her. She just stopped breathing. <laughs> That's it. I'm old, guys. Don't push your luck here. Jeez. Well, how would you say your anxiety is overall? Take away COVID and what you've been through the last 20 something days, but no comparison. How much driving have you pre COVID rarely? Yep. But pre even, I think what it's, it's getting on the, all the supplements. So I'm very regimented in my supplements now and he's getting good night sleeps every night. Um, no real changes at work. So been working the same schedule for three, four years in Mm -hmm. a row. That has been huge. And it's, it's a comfort. You know, everything's a comfort level. It's getting into a house and getting the stuff, you know, the house the way I want it in the backyard. And so everything's fitting together. Yeah. And then I, so I think the key that if we've discovered anything today from this awesome conversation is that as it gets comfortable, you have to find a way to introduce change that you've invited, right? Because we've talked about how we, we love change as long as we (laughs) <laughs> or in control to, of it as long yeah as long as we invite that or change that or control that like we introduce ourselves to our fear kind of thing so we yeah, kind of touch all that as soon as your department chris would tell you we need you to drive x number of hours off duty just to keep your skill <laughs> fine-tuned you'd go i ain't never getting another car again <laughs> nope, it can't make me yeah so i guess that's how the cycle would work is once you get yourself in a in a place where you're strong and you're comfortable you you take control of the growth and the introduction of sure. new and strange and difficult things. But you so. used to put a lot of miles on a car. Oh, ton. Yes. <laughs> and that hasn't, and I, and so the message also is if you're one of these people and you drive, this is why you do it to lessen your anxiety. Right. But there are other things we can give you to do. And if you want to talk to Chris, you call me and we'll make sure he's, uh, going to be one of our stress coaches as soon as we can get a stress coach certification going um ace is also we think mm-hmm. um we think yeah 
he has to mature. I had to do a teachable moment with him on the phone yesterday. Yeah, um, but the there there are other solutions and things out there too because it 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 can be concerning to families that all of a sudden you're gone and you were anxious. They start misinterpreting it. They start calling departments, and he was panicked and he got in his car and he drove off and I don't know where he is and people start freaking oh out. Oh my gosh, does he have his gun? Yes, please. Yeah, yeah that, that evil, evil gun that makes yeah. y'all do bad things with it. Yeah. Um, but there are solutions and we want you to know that if you're handling it that way, this is why and that's okay and it's normal. Explain it to your families. Let them listen to this podcast. And again, you and the families can call us anytime. Uh, our number is 855-889-2348. And my cell number is 334-324-3570. Um, again, you want to talk to one of these guys, I can connect you up. And you always put the phone numbers on mm-hmm. something yeah. that they can see, yeah, right? Yeah, there's a big description with all of our info. And there's always a section in bold that has all the the contact info and you can get, hit us at facebook uh, under the shield foundation on facebook also puts the number up um fight in progress i don't know if our numbers are on that facebook page yep, i have it on the banner and uh but you can find us one way or another call 24 7 365 preferably sober we do prefer <laughs> that um also if you're going to drive to relieve stress yes preferably sober yeah. and and don't do like some crazy ones did here in the valley and test me and call me at two in the morning from a bar to be amazed that I actually answer my phone at two in the morning. And that was the only reason that they called me and uh, uh. that didn't play well. <laughs> <laughs> I will find you <laughs> one way or another. Um, but anyway, and we hope you all had a wonderful Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate and have a very safe and happy new year. I was all excited about the new year coming in until somebody reminded me that 2020 will be turning 21 which might mean next year is going to get real interesting yeah man (laughs) i thought i could have done without that but they said yep 2020 will be an adult they'll be 21 so there might be a lot of drinking and stuff going on yeehaw yeah and chris thanks for coming again yes we love having you here yeah so we'll have you back again and uh you should take my job nope i'll be the guest he might one day <laughs> just for fun yeah and then i can get turned loose here <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting anyway happy new year everyone yep. and we hope you'll be back with us yep we'll see you next monday yes all right we love you guys we'll see you next time stay safe bye